1: Twelve twenty. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network.
2: Back. Rob Black and your money, I'm Rob Black. Blickety, blickety, black. Guess who's back? Rob Black. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money invested in more. Black. I'm Slim Shape. The Black, Mr. Black. 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 The Black. Couldn't monster, cause nobody wants to. Um, two trailer park girls go round the outside, round the outside, round the outside. Remember when you first heard that and how catchy that was? And now Marshall Mathers coming out with yet another album. Um, the more things change, the less they change, right? So, anyway, the more things change, the less they change is an argument that I get into on a regular basis tied towards rent versus owning. Real estate is something that gets people into a tizzy because a lot of people believe in the Civil War. Up north, we got the stock investors. Down south, we got the real estate investors. And it's a Civil War. Nobody wins, we both lose. The reality is we're better together than we are apart. Investors need realtors, Realtors need investors. Stock market needs wage increases so that people go out and spend their money. People who own homes need uh, wage increases. When I bought my home not that long ago, I'm not gonna say it was a reasonable price, it was wildly overpriced. I could have bought three homes in other four homes in other areas, but it's gone up so much I could buy eight homes in other areas, and my wages have gone up, sure, but not that much. For someone to buy my home, they'd have to have a much greater income exponentially than I had. And that's worrisome because a lot of what's happening now is people aren't buying homes based on their incomes going up. People are buying homes based on the idea of I can turn it into a rental property. So we get back to the whole Radney Foster, nobody wins, we both lose argument, not in divorce, but in, in, you know, renting is a bit of a problem. We've got, you know, people who can barely afford to rent. I've seen the rental market in high-end markets go from, yes, one person can afford a $2,000 space to now it's five people in a $4,000 space. And it's the same amount of space. And it's the same amount of parking spaces, and it's creating some urban congestion. That's why you're seeing a lot of peer-to-peer companies, um, you know, whether it be Uber or Lyft or anyone else who's kind of trying to solve some of the urban problems that have created from high rents. So talking to rent versus owning, Tony Mendez from bayarealonesource.com is here. You and I both own some rentals where I think you'd have to pry from my cold dead fingers the idea of, I like someone else paying my mortgage. But at the same time, I kind of like the fact that I own some stocks that have done very well and some investments that have done better than my real estate. And I'm kind of worried that my real estate looks pricey. And at the same time, I'm kind of worried that my stocks look a little pricey because they've <laughs> done so well. Um so let's talk about renting versus owning. What's your initial thought to my opening salvo? Uh,
3: it's it's pretty logical, I would say. Uh, I think a lot of people think the same way, that uh, they, they want to get into real estate one way or the other, and they don't like renting. They don't like giving money to somebody else who owns the house. Um, and we see the numbers. Homeownership rates are down to... Uh, rates that we saw back in in the 90s, uh, we down to what 61%, 62% homeownership rate, and that was up to 68, 69%. So, yeah. um, a lot of people look at that and they go, "Where are all these houses going? They're going to renters' hands. There are huge conglomerates that were buying thousands of houses at a time and that turned right into rentals. Um, there are some neighborhoods that are majority. Shoot, we we just did a transaction where 40. I'm sorry, 50. Nine percent of the properties in this condo complex, and there were two hundred and eighty eight were rentals um and that means there's there's uh, renters really stepped up i'm sorry landlords investors really stepped up and bought a lot of properties over many many years and and for them, they looked at a low market they looked at rents increasing and they you know they they may have said stocks weren't working for me, and they put they dumped it into real estate and now is it too late no um uh, you you you're gonna have to have that mindset, like you talked about how when you bought your house you could have bought four other properties somewhere else. Uh, the same thing equates here. If you have a down payment that doesn't quite work, maybe it's five percent or seven percent, even ten percent, and you can't afford the payments or you can't afford the house, the price is too high. There's other opportunities elsewhere, and a lot of people are ex- experiencing this and watching the trends. Uh, there's quite a few reports about people, the the online searches of, of homes that are leaving the Bay Area. The truth is that no one's right.
2: One doesn't trump the other. It's how much risk do you want to take with one? How much reward do you want to get with the other? How much risk do you want to take with that? And I saw someone recently talk about how he's been renting his house for a year. He sold his home a year ago. He walked into the kitchen recently and saw little air bubbles on the floor. He walked into a far corner of the basement and saw water dripping down the ceiling of his rental He looked closer. There was mold. Mold people came out to inspect. They gave a quote to the landlord. Mold people started to work on it and found even more mold. Uh, Those bubbles were under the floor were mold. Uh, Cost to fix the mold now doubled. Clean up and restoration. To get the mold up, they had to rip up the kitchen floor. To get the kitchen floor up, they had to rip up the cabinets. To get the cabinets back and rebuilt, they had a cabinet person come in to be hired. To get the floor fixed and a floor person needed to be hired. Then on top of it, the AC overheated and that hit the landlord as well. Now, the culprit of this all was a small little leak in a dishwasher hose. A small little leak in a Mm -hmm. dishwasher hose. There ain't no getting over that one. You ain't going to find it. That's a tough fight, too, with your insurance company. Absolutely. And uh, a lot of people think insurance is going to cover the whole cost of the shebang. Good luck with that. Um, So a lot of people feel like they're throwing away money with rental. But in this situation, the guy was happy he was a renter because it wasn't his house who had to have the floors and the kitchen and the cabinets and the basement and the mold and the you know, evacuation of the tenants for a few days and bring them back and then they're bitter and upset they had to be evacuated. Um so selling a home sometimes and renting is isn't a horrible thing because you do get the comfort of it's someone else's problem. Like I think you know a couple renters um who, you know, they they're in rent control. That's a pretty good situation to have. They're in the situation where Especially you Especially
3: know, when something like that happens and you're, the landlord's limited on how much they can pass along that cost to the renters, which you know, and that's really what rent control is all about. It's is the ability for that landlord to continue passing on a nominal amount of costs to the bar or increase in costs to that renter. But in that case, right there, if if you have the right insurance, you might have a good claim. Uh, and and that's really what it is. It's getting a rental isn't just a cash flow machine. It, it's also a liability. Right. Um. Not only a liability with uh, you know a repair or something like that, but uh, if you have the wrong insurance, for example, uh, maybe somebody gets hurt on your property. Maybe it's a guest of the tenant. Um. Maybe the tenant's you know smoking catches the, the whole place on fire and you have two or three other places. I it 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 just can snowball in some cases. So I have a rental that
2: is way out of state that I can't really babysit at, I can't really go and fix it up. And I think I was making about $300 a month cash flow profit. So I was making, okay, I was like, okay, that's about $4,000 a year. That's not bad. It's Mm -hmm. pretty good. And then a tenant moves out. (laughs) And you spend that four grand. I spend that four grand on painting, on carpets. Mm -hmm. And, oh, the the place needs power washed. And, oh, the tree is overgrown. The bushes are overgrown. And they're Mm -hmm. starting to get the roots into the um, foundation of the house. Where if I lived there, I'd be like, let's chop this baby down. And I'd see the problems coming. I'd see the... You know, the the door having splinters. And I'd be like, okay, it's time to paint that and sand that down. But when you're not there, you don't necessarily see it.
3: Yeah, that's sweat equity. You don't really get it. Absolutely. It's Tony Mendez with
2: Bay Area Loan Source. We're talking renting versus homeowning. We'll talk some other uh, real estate ideas. If you have questions, call us eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. 800-516-1220. If you need a mortgage, he's the guy that's doing my mortgage. He's going to do a mortgage for me this year. Um, he's done mortgage for me. Last year, he did a mortgage for me. A couple of years before that, and about eight years before that as well. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com.
1: Financial sense of your portfolio. Now back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220
2: KDOW. Dow tops 26,000 for first time as stocks surge. Woo! Woo Now here's a negative. We're in earnings season. We're going to see some revisions out for the year. Qualcomm's a great example of that. They came out today at 8.15 Eastern Standard Time um, with a lot of data for shareholders. And they said, you know, here's how we're going to do better next year. Citibank came out with their earnings. And they said, okay, we're going to take a $22 billion charge. Can you imagine telling the IRS that you want to take a $22 billion charge? <laughs> sure. And they're going to make it up in the future because of the federal tax overhaul. And they're pretty confident of it. So that's kind of what's happening right now to get us to Dow 26,000. Now, here's where things can go bad. Because I like to think of how things can go bad. It's it's in my nature. The government shutdown is looming. And Congress is fighting the president on, you know, do we do DACA now, the deferred action for childhood arrivals? Or do we shut down the government? Or do we include it in the deal? Congress has until Friday to pass a funding bill and avoid a government shutdown. I'm not saying that. We are going to definitively shut down. That will definitively cause the market to sell off. And then two days later, when we start back up, the market won't look at it as a buying opportunity and jump right back in. At some point in time, we're up four to five percent this year in the markets. Basically, all markets were wide. There's a lot of wealth being created. I'm thinking, ooh, should I sell something and buy a house? Should I sell some and buy a boat? I want a boat. Actually, I want a jet ski. Because when all the polar ice caps melt. I want to jet ski around the world. woo um, Then there's... So, is there's a shutdown? Will that be a cause? Now, on Friday, I joked with my producer. And uh, Donald Trump over the weekend said some disparaging things about some countries around the world. It was an ex- explet- expletive...
1: You are fake news. Fake news.
2: Fake news. <laughs> no, sir, I'm not. And I joked with them. I'm like, "Oh, we got to get the audio of that." And within 20 minutes, my boss was sending a, 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 a note, a memo, if you will, saying, y- "You are not entitled. Or no one, no one on this radio station is going to play a dirty word." So just because they're doing it all over TV, and TV was doing it, and they're almost smiling. away with it. But the fact that that's turned into another issue, and then there's the payment to a prostitute issue. Did it happen? Did it not? Is she coming out of the woodwork? Because everyone else is coming out of the woodwork. Are some of these claims true and some of them false? I don't know. Trust me, I'm not in anyone else's bedroom but mine. And mine is like a desert. It's dry. Like the Sahara. No, 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 that's... And again, I'm not politically in touch enough to, like, make any bold claims. I'm not a bold claim kind of guy anymore. I'm moderation in moderation kind of guy. CBS is doing something fantastic. They're banning photo manipulation and beauty brands. I think that's great. I was trying to explain to my son the other day about commercials and marketing. He wants to play professional soccer when he grows up and he's like, How much do they make? And I was like, Messi probably makes seventy five, fifty million playing soccer and probably fifty million, a hundred million in advertising endorsements. And he's like, What's what's that? And I was like, I was trying to explain what commercials are <laughs> and he doesn't get the concept. I'm like, Well if Messi drinks Diet Coke, the Coca Cola company will pay him money because if you want to grow up to be like Messi, you'll think you have to drink Coke or uh, who's, a uh, Taylor Swift, for instance. The fact that she takes money from soda companies, uh, makes me crazy. What should be, what should be a career of being a role model because you've been so gifted with a voice and so gifted with best-selling albums. Still gotta make a little bit more money. Still gotta make a little bit more money. Now, how about this big find? One of the largest diamonds in world history has been mined in the South African kingdom of Lesotho. I couldn't tell you where that is. The gym is equivalent to 182 grams and roughly the size of two golf balls. It was recovered in the historical productive United Kingdom-based gym diamond said Monday the stone is believed to be the fifth largest diamond ever recovered in the world. woo And, uh... I'm a big fan of cubic Cronium. So... I don't think diamonds are all that in a bucket of chicken. I think they're very pretty. But I think cubic zirconiums are very pretty. So, somehow I think wearing, like, shark's tooth that fell out through dentistry and not through killing the animal. I think that could be kind of cool. Um, one gem with 357 carat uh, sold for $19.3 million. Ooh. It, I know, right? Uh, the gem has little to no nitrogen atoms and is amongst the highest quality and expensive stones in the world. It's a color D, and I I argue that most people can't tell the difference in diamonds. I think it cuts, maybe. Oh, so we got that going on right now. Bitcoin's plunging. Do you own Bitcoin? <coughs> Little Mario monies? Little baby Mario monies? Um, do-do. Uh, do-do. <laughs> Do I have a little AD? Am I on the spectrum? Because, like, when these sound effects start, I can't almost stop. It's tough for me. Google plans to build three underwater cables to expand its cloud business. Now, I say that because one's going to go from Chile to Los Angeles, one's going to go from the U.S. to Denmark and Ireland, and the third from Hong Kong to Guam. Now, I say this because, are they too big? Can they really have competition when you can put a cable underwater and have the technology and the money and the audacity to do that? Amazon's up 10 straight days, hitting a record, obviously. Microsoft's, ooh, they're rocking I'm going to give you some tech stocks when we come back. How about that for a promise? I pledge to you listen. I will educate you and drag you to retirement. Kicking and screaming, maybe? Yes. But with love and adoration. Because I love you. You can find me online at roblackshow.com. That's roblackshow.com.
1: And questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Merck's hire today up 5%. That's big news. They announced positive results for its lung cancer drug called Keytruda. That doesn't make me want to go out and smoke. But it's out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One analyst is out there today, and this is where it gets kind of crazy. One analyst is saying this is a year away kind of agree on that. There's a lot of positives happening with the consumers to have more money to spend. But then again, once we get used to it, that'll be built into the formula. And then we'll start looking at valuations again. Fund managers have reduced cash to the lowest level in five years and are at a two-year high in allocation to stocks. So there's when there are cuts and we go back from stocks to collecting cash or stocks to collecting bonds as professionals it's going to be a little bit more momentum because right now there's more skin in the game. But one analyst is saying, you know, it's going to be a smooth ride for the next 12 months. In 2018 alone, exchange-traded funds have raked in more than $16.5 million in fresh cash. Coming in barely two weeks' time, that's well ahead of a $6.5 billion a month pace over the past 12 months. Now, again, a lot of people, you know, max out their 401k early, or they they make, you know, resolutions to fund their 401k this year versus last year. Investors rate inflation or a bond crash is the biggest market danger for 2018. I don't know. There's My biggest danger has got to be Trump. He considers watching TV to be work. Uh, he said so. <laughs> you know, that's... That's kind of crazy. Uh, It is what it is, but investors rate inflation or bond crash as you know, a big market danger. I worry about Donald Trump and someone on Fox or someone on CNBC or MSNBC saying, you know, hey, China's getting the better of the United States. And he goes, not so fast. So I'm going to do a trade war with China. Trade war with China. We're not conjoined twins but we're pretty darn economic conjoined twins with China at this point in time with their owning our debt and with us wanting to export to them and with us importing from them goods that cost less because of uh, which lowers our inflation in the United States. You know, I hate Christmas now. I know you're saying you hate Christmas. You are the Grinch. No, I hate Christmas and kids. I remember when I was a kid, we got Cool, cool toys. Uh, The made in Japan toys just seem a lot better than the made in China toys. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong in that memory, but everything feels cheap and plasticky to me at this point in time. So there's some concerns out there, but overall I'm pretty positive. This year's heavy focus on tech is a reflection of what's why why fix. If it's not broken, Facebook, Apple, Amazon these are now platforms. These are now big. Um, and like I said, i I picked up all the Star Wars films on iTunes after years of playing with Amazon and downloading a video or you know Google's Play Store. And I ain't doing it again. The economic fundamentals are good. One reason two thousand and seventeen was a good year for the markets was because economies gradually accelerated. The new tax law is gonna mess up first quarter earnings announcements to the positive. Expectations are for our GDP to grow about 2.7 percent this year. That's pretty much so a consensus call. That's pretty good. Uh, When you have GDP growth, when you have it go negative for two quarters in a row, you're in a recession. Now, The Fed's going to fight this a little bit because with consumers having more money from the tax plan, they're going to go out and spend more. So if there's 100 widgets made, and last year we only bought 70 and we discounted the last 30 to get them moved, there won't be a discount. There won't be a deflationary play on it this year. Long rates in the U.S. on the 10-year and 30-year are near extraordinarily critical junctures. The 10-year yield has already broken above its long-term downtrend line, which is 2.5%, but it hasn't done it convincingly. The third year hasn't broken above its downtrend line, um, about 3%, but it's close. That's when things start moving the other direction, from cheap money to money becoming more expensive. So I think the narrative this year is easy sledding first six months of the year. And then we start looking at the back end. The U.S. is going to collect about $280 billion less in tax revenue at a time when defense spending is increasing. We want to do more infrastructure build-out. We have off-balance sheet items like student loans. We potentially could be looking at um, problems. You know, a a $1.2 trillion deficit adds up. So people are getting very used to making money, and that's not a good thing in my world. Now, growth in the workforce has been solid, albeit some of the jobs aren't ideal. I've got a neighbor, um, DJ, and he's got three kids, and his parents lived in the Bay Area, so he's benefited from kind of inheriting well. And he got into construction. And if there's a good job in the Bay Area, it's construction. And after the last couple years where there's been a lot of forest fires in the Bay Area as well as Santa Rosa as well as uh, Montecito. Do you know 101's closed for maybe six weeks in Montecito? And that's a big road that goes from Santa Barbara. Well, it goes from San Francisco to L.A., right? Right. There's a big neck of it that's closed. And you know what the workaround is? It's a five-hour workaround. That's interesting, to say the least. Since 2010, the fang stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, have contributed 20% of the S&P 500's aggregate revenue growth. Is that too much? I like two Chinese companies that also have dominant platforms similar to Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Netflix, Google, Alibaba and Tencent.'ve got a lot of growth there. Social media and Google foster global information transparency. That's interesting. Amazon's effect on pricing has been deflationary in the United States. and quite frankly, you know, we love it till we hate it and right now we love it. The idea of not going to a mall is like pretty great. I saw, I have a, a wall jack that got cracked. You know, the little face plate that goes on top of your electrical outlet. So I got a little janky. And uh, I was like, I got go to get a Home Depot or I got to go somewhere to get another one. And then I thought about it. I'm like, I'll just get it on Amazon. Done. Saves me gas. Saves me time. Time is money. In past 10 years, American companies have made an inordinate effort to think about how to move people or structures outside the United States for non-productive purposes to increase earnings per share. By moving toward a territorial system of taxation and bringing corporate tax rate in line with the rest of the world, we can get back to having managers focus on productive investments, greater efficiency, value creation. That helps companies who build things. Freeport, MacMoran, Copper is the first one that comes to mind. D.R. Horton, Fabernet, ticker symbol, FN. So, in the 1970s, Harvard Business School did a case study and they examined Walmart and how the reinvention of the American supply chain helped quell inflation. Walmart really did an amazing thing they used to fight Kmart back in the 50s and 60s. They were two big rivals. And Kmart's like, we're going to open a flag store in Chicago. And we're going to open a flag store in Dallas. Well, a lot of Americans don't live in major cities. So Kmart was ignoring that fact. While Walmart was setting up kind of a spoken hub system of distribution So it wasn't the managers who would make decisions on what to order, it was the data. So Walmart was one of the very first American companies to really incorporate data into their their business model. Now Amazon's taking what Walmart did in efficiency to a whole nother level. It's all very interesting stuff. Um, There's a great book called The Death of Competition, if you want to read a business book. It's set up in chapters like Walmart versus Kmart, um, Intel versus AMD. It's set up to kind of understand the ecology of business. And the chapters are short, so you can get a business lesson every night while you're trying to fall to bed. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show.
1: Oh Ophia, you've been on my mind girl since the flood. Oh oh Fia, fool who falls in love. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'll just go. Do it! Ophelia, Ophelia. My here's,
2: like here's my big part.
1: Ophelia.
2: Help Ooh. Ooh. So I'm black. Bitcoin leads cryptocurrency bloodbath. I know. Is it exaggeration saying a fifteen percent down move is a bloodbath? It's actually I think eighteen percent. Woo! Ethereum down seventeen percent today, ripple, rip ripple chips, and onion dip down twenty-one percent as a currency in a day, Bitcoin Cash down twenty-one percent, Cardano down twenty-two percent, Litecoin down fifteen percent, neem down twenty-six percent. Man, there's a lot of cryptocurrencies. That's all i got to say about that. CFP Chad Burton does a show here Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And it's a great show. It's very informative. It is so informative that sometimes I'll play the podcast and it puts me right to sleep when I have insomnia. It's that kind of informative. Let's talk a little bit about this here right now with CFP Chad Burton about Roth conversions at this time of the year. Is it a good idea or bad idea?
4: There's two things here, Roth conversions and Roth funding, that I want you to start thinking about in the new year. Now, you're you're, you're probably sitting there thinking, why would I do that now? My taxes probably just went up, because I'm in California, so now my property taxes and state income taxes are limited to $10,000 as a deduction on my federal return, so I'm probably going to pay more in taxes, That is everybody's first instinct. I've talked to so many people that want to move out of the Bay Area now. Just take a second. First of all, don't do anything drastic until there's some clarification. Um, A lot of this stuff in the law is there's a lot of things that need to be cleared up. right? There's a lot of things. Um, So don't do anything drastic, especially as a business owner yet. But I want you all to look at the second page of the 1040. So if you look at your tax return, the second page of the 1040, line 45, is your AMT tax. If there's a number there that you've been paying for alternative minimum tax, because I would say about 50% of the people don't even look at their tax return. They just talk to their CPA, their tax advisor, and they say, pay this or you're going to get this refund, and they don't really go line by line. If you've been paying the AMT tax, it basically means you've been losing those deductions anyway. And AMT exemption increased from 54300 to 70000 for singles and from $84,500 to 109400 for joint filers. The exemption phases out at 500000 for singles and $1 million for joint. Now, all of this stuff that I've been talking about, everything expires in 2026. All of these tax cuts, except for the corporate, expire in 2026 and here's what happened so the tw- the 15% bracket became 12% so if taxable income you can take 77400 of taxable income and pay 12% or less the 25% bracket became the 22% bracket and that goes all the way up to 165000 of taxable income now your taxable income is after your either your standard deduction, which is twenty four thousand, or your itemized deductions, if you're still going to itemize. So, the tax brackets have continued to come down since I've been in this business for twenty four years. This is the in the meantime, our national debt has exceeded twenty trillion dollars. Now, if we didn't have the millennials, I'd be really really scared because of our demographics 10,000 people turning 65 every day are going to be putting a strain on medicare on social security and medicaid which is a poverty program which pays for nursing homes if you go broke and you can't pay for it on your own i believe taxes are going to go up if you don't think taxes are going to go up that means you believe that we're going to be growing at 4 to 5% per year economically as a nation for the next decade, and the government will control what they're spending. In other words, they'll freeze costs and let us grow out of this. Now, that would be great if it happens, and it very well could. I mean, this could be this tax cut with global synchronized growth that we're seeing. We could have a beautiful decade. But, what if we don't? What if we don't, we gotta say, okay, what do we know we're dealing with? What happened with this tax cut is extremely complicated. It's not a simplification package at all. And the reason why I say that is because there's this whole capital gains tax is when you sell real estate or stocks. And there's a gain on it. That What you pay in tax is determined by the old tax brackets. The brackets at 10, 15, 25, 28, 33, and 39.6%. Dividend taxes for qualified dividends. Remember I mean, we had that package, I think it was like 2010 where dividend taxes went down. Now if you fall in the old ten or fifteen percent tax brackets, your qualified dividend tax is zero. The fifteen percent dividend tax applies if you're in any of the old twenty five through thirty-five percent tax brackets. So what does that mean? It means that taxpayers in the ten and fifteen percent tax brackets pay no tax on long term gains. Taxpayers in the 25 to 28, 20, 33 to 35% income bracket pay 15% capital gains, and people that were in the old 39.6% bracket is a 20% capital gains bracket.
1: Where investors rule. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW.